Adobe tweaked the questions they asked cancelling customers and increased retention by 8%. Sainsbury's added a behavioural science principle to their TV ad and boosted mobile downloads by 13%. And one nudge-inspired Ramadan project reduced food waste amongst families by 67%. All three of these projects are interventions by Rory Sutherland's behavioural science practice at Ogilvy. In today's nudge, we'll go behind the scenes on each of these interventions, determining why they worked and how you can copy their success. All of that coming up after this quick break. Success Story hosted by Scott D. Clary is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Success Story features Q&A sessions with successful business leaders, keynote presentations, and conversations on sales, marketing, business, startups, and entrepreneurship. Back in December last year, Scott did an episode with marketing legend Seth Godin on how to hire well, which I think is well worth tuning into. So listen to Success Story wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I am very fortunate to be speaking with Mike Hughes, Consulting Director and Creative Lead at Ogilvy. Here he is introducing himself. Hello, the internet. I'm a director in the behavioral science practice I've been working at Ogilvy for the past six years now and lucky enough to, as we say, work on some of the world's stickiest challenges. Aside from working on sticky challenges like campaigns to reduce violence against women or to combat malnutrition in Ecuador, Mike also helps write the Ogilvy Behavioural Science Annual. For those who don't know, this annual is a goldmine for marketers. It shares the exact approaches Ogilvy uses the nudges they apply, and whether or not they worked. Here's Mike explaining how the annual came to be. I remember interviewing Mark Ritson about three or four years ago and asking him where he thought behavioural science sat within in marketing. And he raised a really good point, which was, well, a lot of people are talking about it, but just show me the effectiveness, show me the work that you do. We see some of these kind of you know, the the fly in the urinal that everyone talks about, but I want to see how we can apply it to to my brands, my work. And I was like, I'm gonna show you, Ritten, that that we have that we have that because we we didn't. And it obviously working on a lot of different brands, it it's it's difficult to talk about all the work that we do. But we wanted to talk about all the work that had biggest social impact, the work that we wanted to share that we wanted other people to adopt, to take our behavioral science strategies and say, okay, well, we use that elsewhere. We also wanted to show the work that didn't work because we thought it was really important for us to be transparent in, and these are the three things that we did, and also that didn't work as well. Adobe, one of the world's largest tech companies, contacted Ogilvy last year with a problem that needed solving. Like almost every subscription-based company, from Netflix to Spotify, Adobe struggled with churning customers. Many customers signed up for monthly contracts to things like Adobe Photoshop, but wanted to cancel, and wanted to cancel at an increasingly alarming rate. So Adobe asked Mike and his team for help. So so the challenge for uh, Adobe was they were just seeing a lot of churn, and churn is, is a huge problem. We we know with subscriptions that the people are kind of a, a subscription saturation point and we see a lot of churn and what obviously we don't want to do 
is do sludge. We don't want to give make it difficult for people to, oh, yeah, of course you can leave. You know, we don't want to make it Hotel California. You know, like you can check out, but you can never leave. You know, we don't want people like ringing up and sending three faxes. Churn. The, the second point is they tried, Adobe had tried a lot of traditional, what we might call economic uh, solutions. So they had tried things like discounts and, okay, we'll give you three months free and here's some money off and all of those things. And we just knew those hadn't worked. And a lot of clients come to us when they say that they've tried all the rational things. Now let's try the counterintuitive things. Let's try the psychological things. It's a classic problem. Adobe had tried all the rational things like discounts, extra months included for free, and even bonus features. But these weren't reducing churn. So they looked to adopt some behavioural science principles instead. Ogilvy asked Adobe to change the scripts the call centre operators used when people phoned up to cancel. Here's what Ogilvy suggested. So how do we stop churn, people leaving? There was three principles that we selected. First one, authority bias. We know we believe things if we feel like they are coming from an authoritative figure. So the the line that we introduced here is, as people rang up to cancel, it was let me look into your account to check the most recommended option. So this is recommended for you. Are you more likely to stay if you think that someone something's been chosen for you by an expert? The team switched the line from, let me look into that, to, let me look into your account and check the recommended option. It reminds me of a similar intervention used by behavioural scientist Steve Martin and shared in his book, Messengers. He and his team worked with a British real estate agent that received hundreds of calls per day. These calls were first answered by a secretary before being handed over to the estate agent. Steve Martin encouraged them to make one change. Rather than saying... I'll pass you over to Patricia, our estate agent. They said, I'll pass you over to Patricia. She has over 20 years of experience and will be perfect for you. That small additional framing invoked the authority bias and had a major impact. Steve Martin reports in his book that that one line increased inquiries that converted to valuation by 20% and of those valuations, it increased sales by 20% as well. Knowing you're speaking to an expert someone with authority, makes you more likely to want to buy. And knowing you're hearing the recommended option makes you less likely to churn. But that's not the only nudge the Ogilvy team used. The second one was scarcity. Let me look into your account to view exclusive offers for your membership. And scarcity is a huge driver for any brand. Behavioral science tells us don't, if you want someone to do behavior, don't tell them what they're going to gain, tell them what they're going to lose. So flip it around, make something scarce, make it feel like it's not available to all, to you. And then the third one was priming. And just asking them simply, priming them into a poor monster mindset. We, we all know we've been there. You, you've been waiting for 10 minutes, you get through, and then you're like, I just want to cancel. You know, you're already in kind of a negative mood and, and you have all the reasons why you want to cancel with you. We wanted to flip that. And that's kind of the industry norm as well that we found and like, ask people why they're leaving. We wanted to flip that into, can you tell us what was your reason for purchasing Creative Cloud originally? So just by flipping it into a more positive mindset, could we get people to stop the churn? And what we found was 
by asking them that question, they were telling us things like, well, we wanted to be creative when when I, I first bought it. I wanted to be much more creative and all, all my friends have it. I was making really cool designs and I wanted to feel a little bit more professional. So now we weren't persuading them. They were persuading us why we should stay, why they should stay. Rather than saying, why are you cancelling today? They asked, why did you choose Adobe in the first place? This primed the customer to think about the positive reasons why they signed up, the need to be creative, to design better, to produce better work. By anchoring the customer to these positive emotions, it made it harder for the customer to consider leaving. And the result was tremendous. So just that one simple frame, changing the, the into a positive prime, we were much more effective. We saw an 8.84% increase in retention rates just by changing one line in the in the call center script so we can see how just that those those seven or eight new words changing can have such a dramatic effect on people leaving more people stay it means more more revenue for the client it's easy to see how you can apply this to other industries gyms should ask cancelling customers why they signed up Netflix should ask churning users which Netflix shows they liked the best. And couples on the brink of a breakup should ask each other why they fell in love initially. In fact, there's scientific evidence that asking meaningful questions boosts a potential partner's attractiveness. Researchers from Stanford and UC Santa Barbara analysed thousands of first dates where the daters had agreed to record their conversations with a microphone. Now, this is my idea of hell, a first date being recorded and analysed by a researcher, but it led to some interesting findings. The main one being that asking questions led to a much better first impression. It made people feel like they clicked and it made them more interested in going on a second date. So don't make throwaway statements with customers or partners. Ask questions that encourage them to focus on positives, whether that's the reason they bought Photoshop or the reason they fell in love. Adobe experienced multi-million dollar savings from this intervention alone. But it's not just churning customers that Ogilvy have helped with. No, Sainsbury's, the second largest supermarket chain in the UK, wanted their customers to start using their Smart Shop app, but they were having trouble getting customers to adopt. So they asked Ogilvy for a hand. This is one of those examples where it makes total sense to use this product. It's the cost-saving app that saves shoppers time and money. I mean, that's what everyone needs. Everyone needs more money and everyone needs more time. And da-da, we have this product. It's one of those products that you know that you need it, but until you start needing it, you, you, you just don't use it. So if we were to clearly just go on rational means, which happens a lot, no one would ever get fired for saying, okay, so we've developed this app and it, it saves people time and money. It's like, okay, well, let's just tell people that it saves them time and money. But they're the rational reasons. They're not the emotional drivers. They're not the psychological reasons why I should use this. And this is why we need both. We need to tell people it's about time and money. So it gives them the story that they can tell themselves. But we need to dig into psychological reasons why they should actually use it. So if all the rational reasons of why we're telling people they should use it doesn't work, then what are the psychological drivers? And it's just a really simple one. 
in behavioral science, if we want people to do something that feels uncertain, a way to get them to at least try it is just tapping into their ego. So the whole framing was this was be a smart cookie. You can be a smart cookie by using this app. Psst, John. Yes, you. You could have saved money on that lot with the Sainsbury's Smart Shop app. You silly. Sausage. You get personalised nectar prices based on the things you buy. Oh, John, you must feel like such a... Melon. Because you can track your spend as you shop, making it easy to stay on budget. So don't be a... Plum. Prawn. Turkey. Next time you shop at Sainsbury's, use your... Yes, John. Download the Smart Shop app today. But there was just many different ways in the advert that show people you were a smart cookie, you're you're doing the right thing, you're getting one up over other shoppers. So all of the kind of rational time and money, that kind of becomes secondary now. This is about being smart. This is about being clever, which really taps into our kind of sense of self and identity because we all think we're those things. Ultimately, this ad is playing on a behavioural bias known as the confirmation bias. It's a tendency for people to favour information that confirms or strengthens their beliefs or values. There are two studies that back this up. Both involve something I dread, being asked to fill out a survey by someone on the street. We've all experienced this, we're just trying to walk to the shops or the bank and somebody stops us asking if we can answer a few questions. Yet, by leveraging the confirmation bias, these surveyors dramatically improve their results. One 2009 study changed the question the surveyors asked initially. Rather than stopping people and say, hey, can you fill out this survey for me? They stopped people and they said, hey, are you a helpful person? When asked if someone saw themselves as helpful, individuals were far more likely to agree to participate in a survey, with compliance rising from 29% to an incredible 77.3%. This isn't compliance with answering that first question. This is compliance with actually answering the whole survey. So just by saying, are you a helpful person, meant the surveyors were able to follow up and get them to actually answer this survey. The researchers tried different variations of this experiment as well. In a follow-up study, they asked, are you adventurous? And this worked. After being asked if somebody considered themselves as adventurous, willingness to try a new soft drink increased. Previously, when people were asked, will you try this new soft drink? Only 33% agreed. But that rose to 75.7% when they were asked, are you adventurous first? Why? Why does this work? Well, it's because these questions played into the confirmation bias that all of us have. We see ourselves as helpful and adventurous, so we agree to answering a survey when we are asked those questions first. And the same is true for Sainsbury's. We see ourselves as cost-savvy time savers, so we look to download this app. Once the ad suggests, that's what cost-savvy time savers do. So just by playing on our, on our ego, by stroking our ego, then we saw impact in terms of 13% increase in downloads, 20% increase adoption, and more smart cookies in general. Just more people adopting this app, not because of the traditional reason, the, the rational reasons that failed, but because we could make people feel good for using it. It's a lot of these challenges are purely emotional, and we often view them through the lens of, of rationality. 275,000 people downloaded this app, 13% higher than the forecast, all by simply appealing to the confirmation biases that all of us have. 
So far, we've heard how the right question can reduce cancellations and how the right framing can boost downloads. But after this quick break, we'll cover a very different problem, how to reduce food waste during a religious festival. As many of you know, I have just quit my job to go full-time on Nudge. But prior to that, I spent my career working in startups. And startups aren't easy. It's long hours, small teams, tiny budgets. It makes marketing hard work. But it doesn't have to be. HubSpot for startups can help grow your business without growing your stress. Their all-in-one platform connects your sales, marketing and support all together. So you can increase your leads, you can fast-track your deals, smooth out support and join a platform that more than 190,000 top brands trust. HubSpot also offer discounts for startups on their top-rated customer platform and not the type of discounts that barely make a dent. So if you're ready to boost your marketing without breaking the bank, look no further than HubSpot for startups. To see how much you can save, visit hubspot.com startups. Okay, welcome back to the show with me, Phil Agnew. Now I wanted to ask Mike about a very different behavioral science intervention. This one wasn't designed to reduce churn or boost revenue. No, it was to tackle food waste. Here's Mike walking through the project. We've been working with RAP, who are the organization that tackle food waste. We've been working with those, with that organization for the past three or four years. One of the focus for us has been what are the high points of food waste? And we know in any festival, religious holidays, then food waste is high. Working with Shalina Yamahamed, who's our uh, VP of Islamic Marketing, we felt there was a real opportunity for us to focus on Ramadan. And we, we, we'd done the research. We knew that, so within Ramadan, uh, iftar, the kind of fast-breaking evening meal, th- th- there is cultural, familiar family expectations to fill the table with food. Again, we see that in any religious festive holidays. And with that, sees increases in food waste. We also know that it's a time for uh, the cooks in, in those households to be kind of overloaded. And this is where it was one of those challenges where we knew that the further we went away from the point of decision-making, the less effective we'd be. So this wasn't about telling people in the supermarket to to buy less because they've been a hot state of motion just wanting to provide for their family and 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 have full tables of food so we needed to get into people's homes which is extremely difficult to do and we needed to prompt people to do the right behaviors at the moment of decision making which would have been post iftar and we wanted people to use their leftovers and to waste less. This is a difficult challenge, of course. How do you tell people to eat less at a highly significant religious event? Mike mentioned to me how they thought about adding messages to food labels, potentially running radio ads, but the team felt that these interventions would either be too costly or too ineffective. So they came up with a different solution. And one way that we knew that we could, this came from the research was that children in families love to help and cooks in families need a lot of help because they have so much food to prepare and we had these these stories of of, of people telling us yeah the children come in 
and actually I want them to do stuff, but it, it's it's a lot of work to do the food and 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 to look after the children as well. So could children be our messengers here? Knowing the messenger effect is it's not about the message, about who tells the message. Can we use the messenger effect to prompt the cooks to do the right behaviours and to do and other family members do the right behaviours? But children are really hard to nudge as well. And getting them to do the right behaviour is difficult. So it had to be something that felt fun, interactive, engaging. We had to get food waste through by stealth. So we so we developed, we invented the Ramadan Rilla, which is a calendar which details the journey over Ramadan of 30 days. And for each of the day, there was a specific task that children have. They had stickers that they were given where they were given a definite challenge. And sometimes those challenges was a reward. Sometimes it was a challenge to based on spirituality, based on, on Ramadan itself. Sometimes it was to do other pro-social behaviors. So it had to be completely contextual to Ramadan and it had to be motivating the kids to use it. So we chunked up the 30 days. We used the gold gradient effect of, of kind of showing children where they were along the journey. We give them stickers. We 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 help them to personalize the, the Ramadan themselves. We made it more ownable. They wrote their own names at the top. They stuck them on the fridge every day. And just by doing more of these food waste behaviors, then we could be more effective. We printed these calendars. We placed them into homes. 67% of families reported there was a lot less food waste. 72% reported that they had learned something new from the calendar. 60% agreed that it changed the way they thought about food. So it's a very lateral solution. Again, we couldn't do it with wider campaigns. We had to change behaviors in the moment. And just with a few little helping hands or a lot of little helping hands, we we found the right messengers, but we made it fun for those children as well. We got and any for any tips, don't make it feel like entertain first, educate second, because it doesn't work the other way around. So by making it entertaining, by making it fun, we could do some of these better food waste behaviors. Targeting adults with a calendar to reduce food waste, it wouldn't be easy. Us adults, we don't like being told what to do. We want to keep our free will. So we experience reactants when an organisation or a government body tells us to change our deep cultural habits. But Ogilvy got around this by leveraging the messenger effect. The messenger effect means that the perceived credibility, expertise or likability of a person delivering information influences how that information is received, interpreted and acted upon. In other words, parents are more likely to heed a request from their children than from a leaflet that comes through the door. It's why advertisements for toys and kids' movies appeal to children, even though it's the parents who fit the bill. If you can convince the child, then the child can convince the parent. There is ample evidence to back this up. A 1966 study found that nurses would comply with instructions that are clearly incorrect if they came from a high-authority physician. Carlin and List in 2012 discovered that charitable donations are higher when the donation is linked to a perceived authority figure, for example Bill and Melinda Gates and other prominent US philanthropists, rather than large organisations asking for donations like UNICEF. And Mir in 2011 showed that university donations are larger when a fellow alumni requests the donation than an otherwise similar individual who wasn't an alumni. 
Essentially, the type of messenger who shares your message will determine how that message is received. And by persuading children to encourage their parents to tackle food waste, well, parents had no choice but to get on board. Today, we've covered how to reduce food waste, churn, and apathy towards a mobile app. But there are many more insights in Mike's Behavioural Science Annual. I left a link to download the annual in the show notes if you want to check it out, and I strongly suggest you do. Big thank you to Mike for coming on the show. If you want to get in touch with Mike, then follow him on LinkedIn. He's Mike Hughes on there, and I've left a link to his LinkedIn in the show notes. If you've enjoyed today's show, then please do consider leaving a review. It really helps me out. Plus, people are much more likely to believe praise for this podcast when it's shared by someone like you, the listeners, rather than when I talk about the show. After all, that's the messenger effect. So if you consider yourself a helpful person, then perhaps you'd consider helping me out and leaving a review for the show. As always, I'm your host, Phil Agnew. I love hearing what you think about the show. So do reach out to me on LinkedIn or email to let me know your thoughts. And I will see you next week for another episode of Nudge. Cheers.